Are we on? Good, good. Well, it's great to be with you today. My name is Pastor Jeff Bonzelar. I have the happy pleasure of serving as executive director. Um, and I just want to say thank you, Pastor Ernesto, for uh, your welcome to us, not just today. We're very appreciative, but for your welcome to us for many, many, many years. I've known your pastor, uh, as I said, for... Uh, for a long time, and I have the highest respect for him, his heart for God, and his heart for people, for people especially that are broken. And Pastor Ernesto, uh, I hope I can steal some thunder. He is with us each week, one of our formidable teachers, and investing in the lives of these men. Uh, Life Challenge, for those of you who don't know, is a one-year residential program for men and women struggling with addiction and alcohol. We have three campuses. We're one ministry, but three campuses. We have two campuses in Detroit, one for women, one for men, and then we have one here in Flint. And our hope, our goal, is to help men and women who are struggling find freedom in Jesus Christ. We believe there are many things that feed addiction. How many of you know that? You know, it can be biological, neurological, it can be psychological, um, but we believe that at the heart of addiction, there is a spiritual component that must be addressed, and our goal is to help men and women encounter the love of God through Jesus Christ. And so this morning, we're going to tell the story about what Jesus is up to. But before I do that, I've just got a couple of questions. First of all, how many of you are presently in recovery? Would you raise your hand? Okay. Aside from the guys behind me, I see a few hands. How many of you struggle with anger once in a while? Okay. How many struggle with pride once in a while? No one wants to admit gluttony or greed. Okay, laziness. I've never seen a lazy anonymous. You know, there's all kinds of anonymous groups. Listen, to be alive, the late Gerald May said, to be alive is to be addicted. We've all got our go-to attachments. Forgive me, I know I tricked some of you. You were thinking drugs and alcohol, but we've all got our little things. You know, we might like our Amazon treats after we get home from work. You know, did, did the mail service come and deliver me my little goods? Or we might like our ESPN. You know, it's March Madness. There are many things that are good in and of themselves, but they can become addictive. And so our role at Life Challenge is to help those who are struggling with addictions and again, I just want to level the playing field. There's only two kinds of people, those who are in recovery and those who need to be in recovery. So let me try it again. How many of you are in recovery right now? All right, that's most of you, Pastor Ernesto. You may want to get with the others, okay? <laughs> one other question. How many of you know someone who right now is struggling with a drug and or alcohol problem? Raise your hand. I ask this everywhere I go, and generally at least 85% of the people raise their hand. It's someone in the family, someone you know at work, someone at school. Um, this isn't a respecter of persons. We all know that. You know, addiction is not for those folks, quote, on the other side of the tracks. It doesn't matter your EQ, your IQ, your CQ, and all the other Qs. To be alive is to be addicted, and again, 
I just want to say thank you for having us. Please stop by our table, would you? Arm yourself with some of the brochures that we have. We want to be your trusted go-to resource for those that are out there struggling. They may need more than AA or NA or CR or, you know, any type of meeting. Those are good. But they may need to just get away from the craziness. And we want to be of service to you and the people that you love and care for. Uh, Lucas, come here a second. I want to introduce you to a couple of our members before we sing. We're not going to sing together, okay? Lucas uh, is a graduate of our program. And uh, Lucas, let's just get some vitals. How old are you? 26. And you are from another state that's south of the border here. We're not going to mention what state, although they don the colors of red, okay? It's actually scarlet. <laughs> scarlet. <laughs> yes. Sorry. <laughs> Lucas, um, you know, it's been a long journey for you. Uh, you've been with us a few times. Um, tell us what brought you into the program that first time. Well, I was 20, I believe. No, I was 21. And uh, when I was 20, I tried committing suicide with a 12-gauge. And um, after that, I mean, I already kind of drank and did drugs before, but I just went head over heels and, you know. Let, let, let me stop. So, Lucas, I have the, uh, the fortunate pleasure of knowing your parents. They're good people. Got a good family. Um, what happened? You know, I think I was around 13, 14. I randomly just kind of had a mental breakdown. And after that period, I struggled really bad with depression and uh, anxiety. So, um, you know, since, since that time, I just, it was always holding me down, hard to hold a job, hard to, I mean, I wouldn't show up to school and, you know, just skipping stuff all the time, just sleeping, you know, just miserable. And I'm sure mom and dad were just confounded, didn't know exactly how to help you, did their best, and then uh, a near-fatal accident that you uh, suffered from. What effect did that have on you and on your family? Um, well, everybody was obviously pretty bummed, but, you know, for a couple of years, I had to go through a lot of, it's almost like I went back a few years after it happened because I just was looking for any reason to not be in reality. And, um, you know, whether it was using drugs and alcohol or women or just anything. So, um, so you know, Lucas, you entered the program. I think you said at uh, 21, uh, completed and did well for a while, and then uh, had some bumps, came back and uh, got refueled and refreshed and revived. Where are you at in your journey with Christ? Um, well, the first time I went to Life Challenge, I actually stayed three months, and then I stayed a year the second time. But then this time, you know, I really didn't want to come back, to be honest, but I knew that, you know, I was extremely happy while I was there, you know, not every minute of the day, but, um, you know, overall just extremely happy. And then when I left, I was just instantly thrown back into the world and it beat me up and went right back to the same stuff. But now, I mean, my relationship with God is closer 
it's ever been just because I know everything he's done for me and it's it's just hard not to be grateful. Um, which God, by the way, are you referring to? Jesus. How many can say the J word? Can I hear it? Jesus. Jesus Christ makes a difference. Uh, I just want you to know, Lucas, we're proud of you and we're grateful for you. Lucas uh, is one of our staff members now. And uh, in addition, you're taking up some classes aiming for what? Uh, HVAC. So, heating and cooling. Okay, so we've got an HVAC in the making, an HVAC worker. So the Lord bless you. All right, Lucas. You. Matt, come here. So this is Matt. Uh, Matt, how old are you? Uh, 46. And uh, how long you been in the program? Uh, 11 months. 11 months, so about ready to graduate. I can remember when Matt came in, I'm sure you can, Pastor Ernesto, uh, completely wasted by what? Alcohol. How many years? Uh, 25. And um, just help the people understand, how bad was it just before you came in? I was... Um Having to get up in the middle of the night to drink to calm my nerves, I would uh, purposely go buy a fruity alcohol drink and take it to work. So during at lunch, I could drink it. So I would it would stop the shakes, but I wouldn't smell like alcohol. I know that when Matt uh, came, those first several months—not just a, you know weeks, but months—it was just a battle physically. And I think you had to go to the doctor, didn't you, or the hospital? Yeah, um, quitting alcohol. Um, I've put me in the DTs, and it's a, a, you get symptoms, you shake really bad, um, you, all, you could go into seizures, so uh, they put me under observation at Hurley uh, Hospital. So Matt was in very severe shape. I've seen, you know, I've been with this ministry uh, pushing 35 years. I've seen lots of alcoholics. Matt would be um, one of the, the hardest hit, and can I just ask you, Matt, I don't know much of your story, but... What started this descent 25 years ago? Um, I was molested when I was a kid. I was always hiding it. I, would, uh, I was always um, lying to myself, and I didn't want to ever let anybody know what happened to me. So I felt really shame, and I found um, relief in, in uh, alcohol. Thank you, by the way, for your honesty and transparency. Um, I think the stats are about one out of eight men have been in some shape or form abused and I think it's close to one out of four women and it's one of those dirty little secrets that causes great devastation uh, guilt and shame and uh, can take many people down a very very destructive road and then um, you know for you Matt what began to just kind of suppress I'm sure those feelings just became a full-fledged all-out addiction Yes, sir. I um, just kept drinking to hide hide the hurt, and um, but finally, it wasn't good enough anymore. The alcohol. I was. Uh, my doctor told me if I was to continue to drink, I would not see the age of fifty. So uh, I ended up meeting a, uh, a hitchhike. I hitchhiked a ride to life challenge. Um, I had. I just lost my job that that day. I was in the bar, pocket, and I pocket dialed my boss after calling in sick, so I lost my job. I had one day left of housing, 
And um, my friend was left the hospital. I said he could stay at the, the motel the one night left I had. And uh, as he was walking, he hitchhiked a ride from a guy from a local church. And the guy from the local church asked if he could pray to us. And so we sat down, and, and I didn't know this guy. So, so a complete stranger. So, yeah, some complete stranger sat down and prayed. And he uh, uh, talked about life challenge and about what it could do and what it was all about. And um, I felt the Holy Spirit that day, and um, I agreed to uh, make a life-changing move and come to Life Challenges Flint. And at 5 o'clock um, the next morning, he came and picked us up, and I've been at Life Challenge since. Friends, that's an awesome story. And if you missed what Matt just said, just some guy from a local church picked, uh, picked this friend of Matt up, and unbeknownst to this friend, this person who picked him up was a believer and began to share uh, the word of God and share hope in Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, I, I ask this, how many of you believe in conspiracy theories? I sure do. There is a God on the move, and he is conspiring for your soul and for my soul. And thank God for that. That man, I don't know his name, but that man who felt the call of God to pick up some stranger and who knew that man, that man and this man, a couple of guys would be entering the program. So real quick, Matt, where are you at, you know, in your journey? I am, uh, I rededicated myself to Jesus Christ on December 26th. Um, I asked him to come into my life and I um. I'm a little nervous, actually, about getting out in a month. I know that uh, I have three clearly defined goals. God, sobriety, and family. And without one, I don't have two or three. Man, that'll preach. Hallelujah. Thank you. How many of you will remember to pray for Matt? Once in a while, would you do that? And Lucas, you could use some prayers, too? Man, we all could. And if there's anything that I just want to ask for today is your prayers. Just please keep this ministry in prayer. And again, we want to be your go-to, you know, guys that, hey, I've got somebody who needs what you all have. We want to be of service and help. Well, at that, Ken, you ready? Let's sing. Thank you so much for having us. Um, we appreciate the opportunity to be here and allow for our ministry to share a message about what we do and how lives have changed.
need you to pierce through the heart and break me apart. I need you to pierce through the dark and cleanse every part of me. All I am, I My name is Lori Davis. I am the new campus chaplain at Life Challenge Flint, and it is an honor for you guys to have us come here. Um, just a little bit about me. I was, I was raised in church. Um, my uncle was a missionary. Uh, we were raised in a Methodist church, and I was molested at a church event uh, when I was about eight or nine years old. And my family began to fall apart. My my grandparents that I prayed that they lived, you know, through cancer because we were taught if you prayed that, you know, things are supposed to happen, you're supposed to get healing. And they both died and my father walked out and left us. And uh, I became an alcoholic at 15 years old, became addicted. And I wasn't addicted 
just for the sake of addiction, I was addicted because I could not reconcile this thing about God, this loving God and why things were happening in my life and why I was in so much pain and why was I so let down and so I just would use the alcohol and use the drugs and use the relationships as a way to just to try to distance myself because I didn't want anything to do with it anymore and I struggled and the struggle went on for years and years and this year I will be celebrating 36 years of sobriety <laughs> and I always tell them we don't spend a lot of time talking about the what you know we're using we spend our time talking about mending this relationship with Christ, accepting him for who he really is, not who we created him to be or not what we thought he was, but who he really is and accepting him and the power that he gives us in our lives. And I was so honored when Pastor Jeff asked me to go ahead and I, I was teaching the overcoming addiction class and I was loving it. And then he asked me to take a more active role and I was so honored and humbled. Uh, Pastor Ernesto mentioned the Old Testament. And there's this thing in Jewish custom that when a uh, when people became married, that they were to take one year to where they did nothing but to get to know each other. And I love this setup with Life Challenge because it's following that biblical principle that when we make a commitment to Christ, there needs to be a focus and a discipline that we grow in this relationship with him, we mature in this relationship with him. And so these men, I'm so honored to be a part of their life because this is huge for a man to make a decision to disciple himself for a year and to get to know Christ. So I'm just honored. Uh, can you hear me? Okay, this is awkward. I've never used one of these before, so it's kind of stinging my ear. Um, I'm Ryan. I'm actually the campus administrator, um, but about 10 months ago, I actually went through the year-long program myself, uh, graduated and came on as an intern, and I'm grateful to be serving with these guys. Um, super quick, I just want to touch on a couple of ways because a lot of people are always asking how can I get involved in this ministry, be more hands-on. Um, we do have different programs that we do offer at the center. Um, a huge one is a mentorship program. Pastor Ernesto is one of our mentors. Um, you actually get to build a one-on-one -on -one relationship with the guys, you know, take them out for meals twice a month um, and just really speak and breathe life into them, you know, and, and be a role model for them to look up to. Um, if that interests you at all, please come and chat with me after the service. Um, we're always looking for new, unique teachers to come in and speak, you know, teach a gospel course, maybe a finance course, um, different things of that nature. Um, you know, financially, too, the, one of the biggest aspects, um, we make it super affordable for the guys to kind of come into the program and be a part of it, and we're completely detached from the government. Um, so when it comes to finances, it is a, a little bit of a struggle for us. Um, we did come up with this Sponsor a Life program, which is super cool. Um, essentially, for $35 a month, you actually get to sponsor one of our students. Um, with that, you're going to get a testimony card of them and like a little picture that will mail into you, um, kind of instructions and, and therefore saying what you can and can't do. Um, but it actually gives you the opportunity to write these guys um, on a weekly basis. Um, I myself was one of the sponsors, and I actually have about three different people that just from them writing me letters, we actually have really great relationships now, and we go out to meals once a month. Um, so I super encourage you guys to do that. Um, if anybody is interested in signing up for it, potentially I do have some sheets here. Um, and once again, you can come see me and, and Pastor Jeff or Sister Lori over at the table. Um, the biggest call that I do have, though, um, is essentially being ambassadors for our program. So those of you that don't know us especially, um, and those of you that do, I encourage you to be more of an outreach for us. Um, right now, the, the addiction and, and the increase in deaths is, is very tragic. Um, I think it's been, a, there's, if I'm not mistaken, there's a 27% increase in, in ODs this year already. And the main cause of it is from fentanyl. Um, and sadly, we actually had a loss in our own center here about six months ago now. 
Um, with that being said, you know, a lot of people don't know about us still, believe it or not, even though we've been here. And um, I guess the best way I can relate it, it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's uh, Jesus heals the paralyzed man. It's in Mark chapter 2, 1 through 5. But essentially, these four guys come together, and uh, all these people are trying to get Jesus to heal them, you know, and they, they carry their paralyzed friend onto this roof, and they cut a hole into it, and they literally, you know, feed him down to Jesus, and just by his faith alone, Jesus heals this man. Um, I encourage all of you to be one of those four people. If you have a friend, a brother, a sister, you know, we do have a women's program in our Detroit campus, um, you know, a cousin, a coworker, you know, get them in contact with us, reach out to them, speak life into these people, um, and let's really get on top of this addiction and things that we see really running down our community. Um, so that's that. A little bit about me, I'm going to be super quick, I know I'm cut short for time. Um, so I grew up with five brothers and sisters, I was one of five, I was the baby. Um, parents divorced when I was five, so honestly I got away with everything. And mom pretty much made a deal with me as long as I didn't go to jail, I was, I was good. So I uh, never did that, thank God. Um, by 12 years old, you know, I really started dazzling in drugs and alcohol, just cause, hung out with the older crowd. Um, brother was into it, so I figured why not. Um, became a real habit and a real addiction and problem though, tragedy struck home for me when I was 16. Um, my sister, who was 23, her name was Sydney, she actually was killed in a car accident. Um, things kind of fell off the deep end for me a little bit, but I bounced back. Um, three years later, my mother was diagnosed with stage four brain cancer. Um, I was a freshman in college at the time and um, ended up losing her my, my freshman year from brain cancer. Her name was Diane. Um, that one was the hardest for me. You know, it was my mom, my brother, my, my role model, um, just overall icon in life, you know, best friend. And when I lost her, the guy that I knew, because I was raised Catholic, he completely went away from me. I hated him with a passion. I turned my back on that. Um, you know, I wanted nothing to do with him. Um, and then fast forward three more years later, I'm a senior in school now and only stayed in because it was mom's dying wish that I finish out. And I get a phone call from a police officer um, telling me that my brother was shot and murdered in a road rage incident on his way to work one day. Um, he was 27, his name was Rob. And um, when that one hit, it was complete vengeance this time. The guy who murdered him was never caught, he never got found. Um, and when I heard that, you know, within a matter of, I think it was about five months, I actually moved out to Dallas, Texas where it happened and for two years I hunted this man and tried to kill him myself. I had two guns in my car, I had an ounce of cocaine and a bottle of Jack Daniels or Jim Beam every night. And after work, when I got off at least six days a week, I would literally hunt this guy. I had bounties on his head, I had news channel reports, um, I got the word out, I was checking in at work, my brother's friends, all this stuff. Um, and it was a bad cycle, I was hanging out with bad people and there was a lot of occasions that I very easily could have been killed. Um, running into some gangs, just, just some bad people. Um, anyway, one day I hear this voice screaming over me, and honestly, the first time I think I ever felt the Holy Spirit just telling me, run, you know, you got to get out of here. Um, I avoided it, but for three days this went on, and finally on the third day, I pack my bags, I run away, and I go back to Indiana where I'm from to try and get some help from friends and family. Um, for about five months prior to coming to Life Challenge, I tried secular programs that didn't really work for me. Um, all they did was diagnose me with like 12 different diseases and clinical depression, anxiety, bipolar, all this stuff. I was on 17 different psych meds when I came to Life Challenge. Um, three months into the program, I finally, praise God, gave my life over to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which is, has been the most fulfilling thing for me. Um, thank you. Um, you know, but after that, it was literally a week later, I said, I don't think I need to be on these medications anymore. And I just felt that presence. Um, so I went cold turkey on them, which scared a lot of people because the stuff I was on, you have to get weaned off. Like, it, there's no, you have to. Um, anyway, I went cold turkey.
for a month I struggled like crazy, but you know, I've, I've started to feel normal again. I, I wasn't a zombie anymore. Um, and for 18 months now, God rejoicingly took that from me. And I've, I've been medication free now for the last 18 months. So praise Jesus on that one. Um, yeah. And then the biggest thing for me, um, since coming to Life Challenge, you know, I know in the Bible it talks all about forgiveness and you gotta be able to, to forgive your brother, you know, up to 77 times in a day, um, which is crazy to me. Um, but anyway, you know, even, even though I never met him, um, you know, I, I really hope that, that the gentleman who did, you know, do that act to my brother, that he finds the Lord one day um, before it's too late. And I have 100% forgiven him with all my heart. That weight has been lifted off my shoulder. Um, and that's something I'd swear I never thought I'd be able to do. You know, I thought I was going to carry that with me every day. Um, but I, I made an altar for it. I gave it to the Lord and he took it from me. Um, and for that, I'm very, very grateful. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and stop there and let Pastor Jeff take over. I appreciate you guys. Thank you, Ryan. Um, it's just hard to believe what uh, this young man has been through, uh, what Jesus, though, has been able to help him get through as well. Uh, I wish we had time to interview each of these men. But one of, uh, again, my goals and our goals when we travel to churches is to just create some gospel hope. Those of you, uh, you know, who raised your hand earlier, you know someone, someone close to you that's struggling. There is a God, and he does change lives. He really does. Uh, but as you know, if you work with addicts, it's uh, messy. Recovery is messy. Uh, just this last week, uh, we lost six men and gained five. So a net gain of negative one. Just in a week's time between our two campuses. Uh, one man we lost as recently as this morning, 12.30 a.m. He came in, if I'm doing my math right, Friday, just a couple of days before. I actually had interviewed this man. And um, this man... Um, in the interview, I just kind of sensed something uh, that he wasn't quite ready and told his sponsor, I said, uh, I know you're ready to underwrite the bill, but do you have an opportunity for him to work? Maybe he can put a little skin in it to really see if he wants this. And his sponsor said, you know, Jeff, just the fact that he called is a step and um, I'm willing to take that chance. It's just unfortunate. A man that knows nothing of Detroit, or excuse me, Flint, uh, just would take off like that. So we need your prayers. We really do. And so what I want to do is just close today by talking about what I believe is probably the most important thing, not just in recovery, but in our journey as Christ's followers. And I'm going to be just looking at Matthew 5 verses 3 through 5. And so if you have your Bible or your device, maybe you can turn there, Matthew 5, verses 3 through 5, and this will be the shortest message you've ever heard, okay? Um, please do stop by our table. Pick up some literature. Get it in the hands of people who need help or just direct them to our website. It's really easy, LCM. That stands for Life Challenge Ministries, lcm.life. And uh, we'll be sure to uh, reach out as people connect with us. So I want to talk about the three-step waltz. Now, let me put a disclaimer out there. I'm not a dancer. 
Not because I don't want to be. I am just super klutzy. The last time I danced, and I think it might have been the first time I ever really tried to dance, was at my second oldest son's, um, I was going to say funeral, no, 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 his wedding. And so I got out on the floor, I tried to coax my wife, and she knew better than to get on the floor with Mr. Klutz himself. But my sister, who's kind of goofy like I am, she got out on the floor, and I was just popping up and down like, you know, popcorn. I don't know anything about dancing. Fact is, when I was in high school, I played the drums, and I had to drop out of band camp because I can't march and play drums at the same time, okay? So that's my disclaimer. I know nothing about dancing, let alone this dance, the waltz. How many have done a waltz? Oh, or not, pass, come on, man. You've got some class, okay. Now, if you know anything about meter, a waltz is built on three, four time. One, two, three, one, two, three. Can you do that with me? One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Now, what beat is the dominant beat in that three, four time? One, one, two. That's the most important beat. You get that beat wrong, everything else goes astray. So, we're going to talk about the waltz, the three-step waltz. And we're going to anchor it on just the first of those steps. Matthew 5, 3 through 5. Words of Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. For they will what? Inherit the earth. Jesus, in these final few minutes, may your word go forth powerfully. In your name, amen. How many know anything about the 12 steps? They're good. They're good. God has used those 12 steps to help thousands and thousands of people, not just here in America, but around the world. 12-steppers will tell you you never graduate from any of the steps, let alone step one. Who knows step one? We admitted that we were powerless, that our lives had become unmanageable. Nothing can get done. Nothing will get done until we admit that and continue to admit that. How many can agree? I still remember walking the yard in Detroit and um, walking it with a gentleman by the name of Dave. Dave, who had a really sordid past, marked with just so much ruin and devastation. And he said, Pastor Jeff, I'm sick. I'm sick. And I still remember, so you got to go back at least 25 years ago, so that would have put me at about 10, okay? I'm lying, okay? But I still remember my first inclination. I'm a natural exhorter. That's my gifting, okay? Now, I like to come in and encourage people. And my natural, my, my natural reaction when someone says something like that is, come on, man, you're, you got this. You can do it. You're okay. And I got checked. 
No, David needed to come to that recognition. And he needed to, to just kind of remain in that place. I'm sick. I'm sick. Yes. We're all sick. We're all broken. We're all messed up. Do I get an amen? amen. All. All of us. Some of us just hide it more neatly, more cleverly. You know, some of us know how to play the game a little bit better than others. But to be alive is not only to be addicted, it's to be messed up. It's to be broken. We admitted, you know, if I could change one word in that first step, it would be the verb, admitted. We were admitting and admitting and admitting over and over every day that we were and are what? Powerless. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who are broken. What does that lead to? Jesus said, blessed are those who, who mourn. Where's that mourning coming from? That brokenness. That brokenness. I always get nervous, Pastor Ernesto, when someone comes in kind of with their head up. Hey, man, it's great to be here. And then for the next few weeks, they're just kind of bopping around. Those people make me super nervous. Because more than likely, I'm going to see them implode. They're lacking a brokenness. What's that second step for all you 12-steppers? After the first one, we admitted that we were powerless. What did we do? Came to believe that what? A power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. It's that brokenness that fuels that reach out beyond ourselves to somewhere, to something else. Came to believe that, that a power greater than ourselves, we couldn't do it. That brokenness leads to a true mourning. Many times, physical mourning. You know, a true weeping and a sorrow. It's not a, it's not a guilt that leads to self-condemnation, but it's a contrition, a holy, godly sorrow that leads to repentance. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And it leads to the, the third Blessed are the meek. Meekness is not weakness. It's surrenderedness. I've got a friend. He's been not once but twice to a dude ranch. How many know what a dude ranch is? He went to this dude ranch, as I said, twice out in Montana with his family where they tame horses. And so he was uh, introduced to horse whisperers that tame these wild, wild beasts that can weigh a ton. And he said, it can be a bloody thing seeing this animal, this hard animal that's bulked up with all this muscle to be tamed. But he said this, this horse whisper can bring it to a place of surrenderedness. That's what that word meekness means. When you give up. When you yield, when you say, I'm done, I am willing to be taught, I'm open, help me. What's that third step for the 12 steppers? 
made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to this God as we understood him. We admitted that we were powerless. We came to believe, finally, came to our senses that we couldn't do it, but came to believe that someone else could, didn't really understand this God. And then what we do as we came to believe, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Meekness, yieldedness. But it all rests upon step number one. Remember, in the waltz, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. What beat is dominant? One. You miss the dominant beat, everything else goes awry. I still remember, Kenny, um, there was a gentleman in our lobby at the Detroit campus years ago you know, drugs, a life of drugs and alcoholism will age you. And this guy looked well into his mid-50s. I'm sure he was in his low 40s, just completely racked. And um, he's going through the application, and he came to the rules and regulations. It's a tough program. We're there to help people who are serious about getting serious. And so he's reading the rules, and Sister Lori, he came to the rule which said... Something like, you know, you can't have your mail immediately. It goes through the staff office where it's perused. And he pulled me aside. Remember, here's a man probably in his early 40s. Looks like he's in his mid-50s. Hard life, and it's all evident. And he said, hey, what about that role there? I mean, I can't have my mail right away. I said, no. No. It's filtered. It's gone through our staff office. Well, that ain't right. You know what? There's no hope for him until there's brokenness. You see, a drowning man won't complain about the color of the life jacket thrown to him. Doesn't matter if it's yellow with, you know, pink polka dots. Someone who's drowning will grab anything. So how do we develop brokenness? I was at a missions dinner Friday, and this dear sister said, I've got somebody who's in the throes of addiction. You know, do you guys do intervention? I said, we don't. I said, I don't even know what that looks like. You know, it's, it's important, but unless God brings a brokenness, there's nothing you can do. Does that mean we're hopeless? No. God answers the prayers of his people. And so my, my prayer for me, my prayer for you, is that first of all, we don't start throwing stones. Man, she needs to be broken. It begins in the mirror. God, develop a deeper brokenness in my own life. Nothing gets done that's good unless there's brokenness. One of my favorite authors, Richard Rohr, he says, he prays for one good humiliation a day. I don't have to pray for that because I naturally invite humiliation. I'm dumb, okay? But maybe I need to, you know, just amp it up, God. Help me to walk in brokenness. I want to end this, this service in prayer. I'm going to invite your pastor back. Jesus, for those that are out there 
Lord, maybe even in this room that still aren't completely broken enough to, to invite change, to want change, to be teachable. I pray, God, that you would bring godly sorrow. But Lord, uh, all of us could stand to use an extra measure of brokenness and contrition because it's that first step that, Lord, carries the next two steps, that poverty of spirit. You love and seek for a contrite heart. Humility and fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. It's, Lord, humility that invites grace. And Lord, help us, help us to be a people that walk in humility. I pray for this gentleman, Lord, who left us earlier today at 1230. I pray, God, for Brad, and that you would bring him to a place of deeper repentance and brokenness and openness for change. But God, I pray again that for each one of us here today. And for those, God, that have a loved one out there that's just on the cusp of Lord darkness, protect him or her right now, please. And Lord, may there arise faith in his or her heart. In Jesus Christ's name, amen and amen. Oh, thank you so much, brother. So Flint City, let me tell you, this is one of the ministries that's one of our friends. They're our friends. We support them financially. We support them with our time and our efforts. As you leave, stop at the table, say hello. If you have someone in your life that has need, take some take stuff with you, just so you know who to call when the need comes, because the need will come. Pray for the stories you heard today. Um, Love Channels, we love you. We're with you. It is good to be among brothers and sisters in Christ. God bless you all as you go. God bless you. <laughs>